Doctor Who Season 1 Episode 2 The End of the World The Doctor takes Rose 5 billion years into her future to watch the final destruction of Earth by the radioactive sun. Using his psychic paper to pass as their invitation, they join a viewing platform which hosts the last ever human Cassandra, Jabe a sentient tree, and other elite aliens who have gathered to mark the occasion. The platform's heat and radiation shields are sabotaged by robot spiders, killing the alien in charge and trapping Rose in a rapidly burning room. To save her, the Doctor and Jabe race to the bowels of the platform through giant spinning fans to reach a switch that reactivates the shields. Tragically, Jabe dies in the process. Cassandra, the last human, who is little more than skin stretched across a metal frame, is revealed to be behind the sabotage and dies when she falls foul of her own plan. Once free, Rose looks at the debris of the Earth and laments that she is now the last human in existence. The Doctor explains that he is also the last of his kind and that his planet was destroyed in the wake of a great war. Commence Doctor Whoing. Commence Doctor Whoing. Well, we can start every episode with Commence Doctor Whoing. You can start every episode with that. <laughs> Hi, I'm Newman. I really like Doctor Who. My best mate JT hates it, but he's never even seen it. Maybe if he just watches it, he'd like it. Let's see. All right, cool. Hello, Joe. Hello. All right, we've just watched... Uh, what have we just watched? Doctor Who. Very good. Do you remember the episode title? Doctor Who and the really important levers. You know what? The bit with the levers, I knew that was going to get you. Because we've had a very similar conversation about Rogue One. Do you remember the Star Wars? The... Oh, am I painting myself as like some kind of lever person? No, no, no. But I just remember after watching Rogue One, there is like a narrative plot point about, oh, all the shit is going down, but you need to flick this switch. And oh, no, the switch happens to be all the way over there. Why is it over there? Do you remember that? Well, this, in which case, this episode is going to be a bit foretold, isn't it? <laughs> like, when that bit happened, I purposely didn't look your way because I thought you'd be like, ah, levers. <laughs> yeah, that's not the only one, that, well, anyway. Well, fine. yeah, it is one of those staples, those easy tension staples. You have to get to the switch. But that doesn't make it good. No, do you hate it? What, the episode? Okay, yeah, yeah, let's start with that. What are your initial thoughts? How did you find it? It was shit. <sighs> Uh, compared to last week? It wasn't as shit as last week. Okay. That, no, it doesn't mean it's good. No, but that's progress in the right direction. No, I think it was less shit, but I hated it more. Okay, so tell me why. Because there's a lot of bullshit. Bullshit that wasn't present last time? Yeah, I guess the fact that I dislike it more means there must have been more bullshit than last yeah. time. Okay, well, yeah, let's deep dive that. We've got at least another 40 minutes worth of chit-chat. <laughs> yep. Like, let, let's drill down. Um, so I think the biggest thing is that it's, it feels like it's been made by committee, which it might have been. I don't know. Okay. There's stuff that carries over from the stuff that I disliked about the first episode mm. and then the stuff which is like new bullshit. Mm -hmm. So like the stuff that I disliked that I can remember from the first episode is like, is fucking all over the place. Like all over the place. The tone is mental. Like this really is like an episode of levers or switches and stuff like that. So with, relate, with regards to the tone, mm. it's like a big, one of those switches that you have on guitar amps, but it's just got like three or four sections. So this is where the tone is at now. So right now we're doing comedy. So we just switch it to comedy. Mm. And then like the music reflects that and the jokes reflect that. And then two seconds later, someone's just switched it to like melodrama. So now we're doing melodrama. And mm. then someone's switched it later on to, oh, this is serious. You need to pay attention to how serious it is now. Oh, the doctor's crying. This is a sad moment. He feels sad. 
you need to feel sad and then two seconds later it's just like he's cracking jokes again because we're around to the comedy one see there's no everything is just like it's cut with a knife there's no gradient hmm. see i remember thinking that last week and i wonder if i'm now just a bit more used to those pendulum swings because i thought this one didn't flip between tone as egregiously as last time no it absolutely did okay because there was only one bit that i was just like whoa that was a bit of a thingy and that was the uh, introduction of all the aliens what with the with the almost hilarious benny hill music yeah i wrote down willy wonka music <laughs> yeah yeah but then you would have thought that because of all the little people but apart from that moment i don't feel like it swung too much because i thought this one was very heavy towards the there's something wrong with the doctor there's something wrong with his past he's not a happy bunny uh, really there, yeah there weren't very moments of him being clowny in this i can remember him dancing to uh, tainted love i mean like now that you mention it that that was part of the episode then i get that was in there mm. but it's the fact that you had to mention it because a lot of the stuff that that just seems to me to be like an undercurrent of something is mixed in with just a whole smorgasbord of all the other shit. So like one part of the George's Marvelous Medicine, mm. except it's not so marvelous, of just like all that shit that's just churning around. Yeah, all that stuff about, oh, the Doctor's, this is the stuff about the Doctor, but then like, I don't know, I just don't know. Like there's like, there's a suggestion that like, there's a future romance between him and Rose, but then like there's the tree woman who instantly wants to fuck him, and then like all this other, I don't know, it's just a fucking mess. Okay, uh, let's go a bit slower. What suggestion between the Doctor and Rose? What do you mean? Do, are you feeling like they're going to make them kiss? Yeah. Where did you get that from? Oh, I've only seen two episodes. This is the second one. Yeah. No, no, but I, I just mean like there aren't lingering shots of him like leering at her. Or what do you mean apart from at the beginning where he's staring at her with a creepy face and then pumping that piston thing? You have brought that. No, to the I know. Page. Like exactly, I have brought that to the page. But I'm gonna go out and say that's like a real left field reading <laughs> of that scene. Okay. Well, it's there. Like it's really creepy. He's just staring at her wow. for ages whilst he's like moving around and all the other shit. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That's okay. But and so from that, you've extrapolated that. Oh, there's going to be some kind of relationship here. I'm not saying there's one. there's definitely going to be, but mm. like, and, and I'm not. I'm that's not... just a that's just a quote unquote like Hollywood trope. You've got yeah. a man and a woman yeah. who are both leads in a thing and they're friends mm -hmm. so it's suggested at some point they might get together that's interesting that's what i'm that that's real interesting um so i'm not going to confirm one way or the other i'm not really I that think, bothered either way well you seem bothered enough to bring it up so i think i'm not bothered either way is a bit of a misnomer at the moment no but like within the contents of like discussing this then yeah but then you know as soon as I'm outside of not thinking about Dog 2, which is sure. a very good time in my life, then, <laughs> then I won't really care either way. So, I mean, like, no, the reason why I'm kind of, like, uh, lingering on this point is um, it's interesting hearing it as a new audience member. Okay. Because, you know, there have been people just like you watching the show, and I was, I was that person when um, I was watching for the first time that I hadn't come to it with 50 years worth of, like, previous Doctor Who. Okay. So... The people who had would have come to it as the Doctor and the Companion are very much grandfather and child mentality because he's like ancient and the 
the implication that there will be something romantic there is weird. One Doctor Who story in all the history that came before this had the Doctor and the Companion kiss, and it was like a reboot, one-off type. So, like, from the first two episodes, you getting, like, a romantic in. I just remember thinking, at this point in my watching it, I thought of it as super-duper old ancient person and, like, a child running along. I didn't see any kind of, like kissiness but then that's because you is that because you have prior knowledge no well but then i don't really get it because in which case like if they've got like young person like old grandfathery person then mm. why do they have them flirt all the time that's so weird they do <laughs> they absolutely do at the end she was just like your shit date oh, buy me some chips yeah good point and then she smiles at him yeah. it's like yeah i get that they there might be nothing that's going to happen and it's, but if you want to use the excuse that the doctor is quote unquote flirty with her because mm. he doesn't understand how emotions work yeah okay well let's argue that she hasn't processed that yet mm. so like as a character then she's going to see that as flirt well, i don't know it is like the the character's basically flirt interesting cool so i yeah i don't i don't think so Okay. Uh, I, I quite what I liked. I remember thinking this when I first watched it. Is um, oh, you need to put some romance in. How do you make an ancient person flirt without it feeling like Edward Cullen in like Twilight? Like, why are you interested in a teenage girl? You're hundreds of years old. Yeah. And so I was just like, oh, so they write in other ancient characters for him to ha have a flirtation with. So a tree who is going to be super duper old, and the Doctor can have a bit of a flirtation, whereas the Doctor and Rose, that's not what they're about. I mean, like, it's not overt. Mm. Like, maybe I am way out. Like, I'm, I'm not really. Maybe I am like not right about this but i mean like that's just what i read like sure. as someone who's like a second episode in yeah like i that, to me it just seems like that the suggestion that he would get together with the tree woman was not enough of a break mm -hmm. to to basically make you think as an audience member that this was the end of whatever might i'm not saying it was happening but this is the end of whatever might happen between the doctor and rose who yeah. does he, i mean i know he is ancient but he's not Unfortunately, like he's not cast as someone who's ancient. Sure. So like it doesn't on screen. It doesn't like you don't see that. Okay. It's not like it's you know, like an actor who's eighty five and then like someone who's seven. Where it's mm. like it, even just by looking at them and them not speaking, it's implied that nothing's going to sure. happen. See, I wouldn't want to see. And this this is you know definitely my cultural bias, um, but I wouldn't want to see Christopher Eccleston and Billy Piper kiss because I think their visual, just as those two human beings, the discrepancy between their age would make me feel uncomfortable. Okay. Because Christopher Eccleston looks much older than Billy Piper. <laughs> don't you think? I'm um, just, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, enough, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want to see that. Um, but, but that's fine. Okay. Um, so we're, we're going to... Maybe it'll be a different TV show in Hollywood. Yeah, something a bit more Woody Allen. Too soon? never too soon okay. the day after was <laughs> not early enough um, okay so uh, you, one of the scenes that you um, pulled out is actually right at the beginning of the episode so let's go chron chronologically okay that scene which your read on it was creepy and flirty well no it's just his face is creepy like, 
the implication is that he's looking at her because he's uh-huh. excited because he's basically taking to her, her to a destination that she doesn't know. Yeah. And so it, the like his emotional response is just like, oh, this is really cool. She doesn't know what's happening. She doesn't mm. know where we're going to go. It's going to be a big surprise to her. Yeah. Like, but his face is legit creepy. Okay. So with my slightly more innocent eyes. Um, wow. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> I love that scene. Um, <laughs> I love. I do. Because <laughs> I I just love the like kid in a candy shop kind of I've got like all of space and time with which to impress my new friend. I get that feeling of he's been alone for a while because obviously he can hop around in his TARDIS wherever he wants and it's not exciting for him anymore. But then the moment you invite somebody else into your normal life, no matter how fantastic, it's become mundane to you. I, I was smiling because I liked that giddy doctor of, yeah, I've got an audience. Because he's, he's a bit of a peacock. But then maybe I saw it as creepy and flirty because I already dislike the franchise. Maybe. So maybe subconsciously I'm looking for reasons to cut out. Yeah, Because maybe. I'm not enjoying it. Maybe. But then, like, th- the, there's, for me... What other people will see is basically just this is what the TV show is about and you just need to get over it. Mm-hmm. I'm always going to see is like them being quote unquote apologists, whether they are or whether they're not, whatever mm-hmm. the real situation is. So like for me, like an apologist's apology is always going to be like, oh, but he's the doctor, so he doesn't really know how to human emote. Mm. And like you can just get away with so much shit like that. It's interesting because you've brought that to the conversation twice, but I've not said that. I, I think uh, that's not correct because whilst he is an alien, the whole him being other and not being able to human properly it does yo-yo throughout the series, but he can clearly read people. So when you get that scene a bit later in the episode where uh, Rose has gone through like the culture shock of being surrounded by aliens and is having like a proper little freak out, the doctor doesn't need her to say like overtly, I'm spiraling. He reads the situation and goes, she needs a touch point. I can jerry rig her phone so she can call home and have like a little grounded moment. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Why? What? <laughs> that's, that's a really good scene. <laughs> she she phones back in time five billion years ago. Yeah. <laughs> what, what what? I mean, I know it's science fiction, but I mean, like, it's not a science fact. Like, I'm not saying this is what actually happened, but this is how it reads to me. It's just like, oh, we need a moment where she can be regrounded again, mm-hmm. and something and she'll like feel more like at home and like calm down a bit. Yeah. So like, oh, why don't we have a call her mum five billion years ago? And then obviously like. That's once that decision has been made. It's like, well, it's fine. We can just make. We can just have her call her mum mm. because the doctor will have something in his jacket pocket. Will will allow that, and then we'll make a joke about how the fact that the the bill is very big because obviously you're phoning back in time. Uh-huh. Like it just like I mean I know you can do it, but they. I I feel like they've given themselves the license to be able to do anything, which actually in science fiction is more of a harm than a help because if you don't set grounded rules about it then it just becomes too fantastical to the point of stupidity okay see it's weird because like you don't bat an eyelid about a spaceship that can hurtle through time but him being able to get her phone to do the same thing is a bit too far no because time machines are well established in science fiction throughout science fiction history Uh it's just a time machine sure yeah but if the technology is there to take physical matter through time just audio 
seems like less of a stretch. I don't know. There's something about it which just seemed very, just didn't sit right with me. Like that was just my innate reaction. Is just like oh, I've just whipped something out of my pocket and put it in the back of your English human phone yeah. that allows you to speak to your mum five billion years ago. What is that quote about? Like um, uh, sufficiently advanced technology uh, will appear as like magic to someone who doesn't understand it. Like I've butchered that. I don't so, know. You know what I'm talking about, though. I'd forgotten a lot of this, and whilst I remember Cassandra and I remember the setting, I couldn't remember what the kind of who done it element was. Okay. Uh, and I don't remember the kind of gruesome aspect of the controller being burned alive. Why do they have a button that kills him? What do you mean? As in, like, there's a computer. I oh, know this is very picky. This is on me. Picky. Joseph. I know, exactly. Goodness. Well, this is what this is about. Very good. You started this. <laughs> uh, the incredibly silent and definitely not clanky or noticeable mm. spider things that no one ever sees, even mm. though they're massively in the room making loads of noise, mm. uh, walks up to him and then presses one yellow button. <laughs> and then it's just like, oh, sun sunscreen coming down. And he's like, oh, no, I can't. I can't change this. Um, and then he dies. So I wrote that down in my notes as well. Um, the Foley on the um, spider droids is way too loud because it's, you know, alerting their presence to us as an audience. Yeah. Fine. But then how are the characters not hearing that? Yeah, how are they not seeing it or hearing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're fucking all over the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Well, you know, maybe the spiders had got all the inputs right and they just need that final button. That leads on to another point which I think is a good summation, which is, I mean, like, obviously it's science fiction, so there's a very large amount of like suspension of disbelief mm. but I think my issue with it mm. is that you have to suspend it so fucking far to make it work so we touched on this a little bit um, last episode and I want to kind of explore this a little bit so at one point you were an audience member that could sign up to something that was hokey right Xena is a hokey program yeah so at one point you could come to a show just for fun. Yeah, Doctor Who, I think, is on a similar level of, mate, don't take it too seriously, just enjoy it. It is fun. What's happened to you? What? <laughs> no, you can't. Have you, how many episodes of Xena Warrior Princess have you watched? Maybe four. Okay, well then, like, we would need to do this with Xena, but mm. the other way around. Yeah. But the, the, like I've watched all of it from start to finish, yeah. and like yeah, it does suffer from like the first series is very episodic mm. and it does flit about. But the one thing that I never took away from Xena, it just never, it never felt to me that like, it was that contrived. For me, in my memory, mm. and again, I could be way off. All of the stories matched up because everything that happened within that sphere, yeah. to me, was believable. Whereas like I'm, I don't really believe the world that Doctor Who is made yeah. purely because its potential is unlimited. You see, everything is impossible in Doctor Who. He couldn't just magically open that door and let Rose go out. But it's, to me, you it know? seems like anything can be possible when it needs it to be. Even in the negatives. So, like, what purpose did it serve to kill off the tree woman? To show that not everybody lives every time. This isn't a story where everyone is safe every single time. But if you're in the wrong place, you're put in a place where you have to decide to make that sacrifice and die. 
he is like emotionally affected when the tree lady dies, you know. But then he, he's like, he does seem pretty sad about it for about two minutes. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in the structure of this program, you're not going to have him spiral into despair for like half an episode. No, true. Like, but then it. Um, I mean, like what. From what I can remember, like he he gets sad about it whilst he's in the fans, mm. and then the only other kind of like suggestion that it's really affected him is when he goes over to the other tree people and pats them on the shoulder. And that's mm. it. Like yeah. that's literally it. Sure. I yeah. mean, you don't you don't have to cry river about it, but like um, you know, at the end of the episode, he's laughing about chips. Well, I mean, like the fact that he shows any kind of thing about it, I think is good. Do you know what I mean about something being contrived? Like oh. Like we okay, so it is very science fiction, and obviously this has done been like a thousand times before. Like oh, as long as we get to X button or X lever, this will solve all the problems. Yeah. But it's the the extreme manner in which it does that. Like oh, that. Why would you ever put that? I know this. How petty this is. I know. I can hear it. I I can understand it in my brain. But like, why would you put a lever that's like has nothing to do with anything else at the end of a platform? in some huge like blades and then why have another lever that slows the blades down but doesn't stop them that situation is perfectly designed mm. to create a, a like tension and a problem to be solved yeah. which otherwise wouldn't be easily solved well the station is malfunctioning uh, and i think the lever slowing it down that lever could turn them off okay but if you turn off the fans the space station that is you know so close to the sun is going to roast Okay. So I, I think it's. But isn't that that space station doesn't? Is it supposed to always be that close to the sun? I don't know. No, I'm not sure. I don't know about that. I don't know if we're told, but I get the feeling that it is able to be that close to the sun when everything is armed and operational. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've I mean, thought about that too much. Pardon? I have thought about that too much. But like, <laughs> as an audience member, you shouldn't be thinking about these kind of things to the extent mm. that I'm thinking about them. You should just be thinking like this. He just needs to get through this problem, and this is where the tension is, and yeah. just enjoy it. But yeah. Like I, as an individual, like yeah. me personally, I can't enjoy it because I'm too busy thinking like that. That's just the way that my brain works. Yeah. Which is why I'm. It doesn't. Which why the, the Doctor Who thus far really jars for me because I think about this stuff and it fucks me off yeah this is why like rather heavy handedly I was just like you know who hurt you What? when did you become this Doctor person? Who hurt me no because at one point <laughs> you, at one point you could just have fun and now I'm feeling like no, you are no, determined no, no, not if you're to gonna, have fun. No, you can't pull Zuna back into this if you're going to talk about having fun because like, the, some of the writing in Xena in the later series is fucking incredible. Are you, I will throw you out the window. That is literally what I said to you about Doctor Who last week. But then, like... No, that isn't what... How can you say that? And be like, oh, at some point it's hokey, but it but then gets it even, to a point... Okay, but then even in the even in the big earlier episodes, there's still enough structure where it's not this contrived. That's my opinion. Obviously, your opinion is very different. Sure. But that's you showing an understanding that a show can change and develop over time in one direction or another, right? Current Simpsons being poop doesn't negate how great old Simpsons was. The so when I say that Doctor Who right now in the first two episodes yeah. may be a little bit pendulous swinging all over the place okay. and it grows into something so intricate, so deep, so moving... You're just like, poo-poo, no, it smells, no, it can't. Okay, that's, no, that, in which case, yeah, I think you are, you are right. Like, I will, I will say that is true. But then I can only talk about these episodes mm. 
and that's all I'm talking about. You have the benefit of having the entire arc. Yes. And then with like the Xena thing, it's exactly the same. So yes. you have only seen a couple of episodes and I have the benefit of having seen the whole thing. So I can look at it as a complete thing yeah. and you can look at Doctor Who as a complete thing. Yeah. So that's the differences. Yeah. So we don't meet in the middle. Yeah, that's absolutely. the problem. Realistically, what yeah. is interesting to me and I think what is pitched and the core of like from the episodes I've two seen, uh -huh. the, the episode of the two episodes I've seen, sorry, yeah. is that like the real thing that you keep coming back to is the mystery about the Doctor. Uh -huh. Like, so you want like that for as an audience member, you want to know like this, the bigger story mm -hmm. about him because he's the main character. And they've only really touched on that. And I know that's the point because mm -hmm. they, they, you have to kind of like cherry pick that and like drip feed that out. Otherwise you've lost an entire season. Mm. But that's where my interest, that's if I have any interest, mm. that's where it lies. Ah, so that, that element is tantalizing you a little bit? Tantalizing a bit much. I did. I did put the suffix of a little bit. Okay, a little bit. Fine. I'll concede to a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is good. So um, Russell T. Davis, when putting the reboot together, was influenced by Buffy. Mm -hmm. And the thing he took away from Buffy is um, just the tiny sprinkling of a season-long arc. And I think those little um, references to the Doctor having been through something, and we as an audience don't know what it is yet. Uh, and there's also something else that is being sprinkled in, but it's so, so light at this point that you're not really supposed to notice it yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Because um, I, I, I know what the Doctor's backstory is, um, and I thought that they gave us that all in one go, and I'd forgotten that they do kind of strip feed it in. So when we watched last week's episode, I was just like, what? I thought... When, we, when is he going to tell us that he's the last of his species? And they they mentioned that there's been a war and he just very purposefully doesn't comment on who the war's with. And I was just like, oh, okay. I have a technical question. Yeah, go ahead. So he's the last of his kind. Yes. And his planet is dead. Could he not just go back and see those people on his like he could could he not go back to see his planet it was kind of implied that it was he would never be able to see his planet ever again the answer is yes he can go back to his planet presumably just um in this i'm just taking the information that we're giving in that episode i'd argue that it'd still be sad because he could go back and have a day on his home planet the name of which i'm not going to say because it hasn't been revealed yet i'd argue Tardon. That... have you heard that no oh, okay interesting as a guess because it's a TARDIS and Interesting. and that was a guess. Okay. okay. I thought maybe you, you knew that as a term. No, it's not a term. Is that a real term? I don't know. I can't. I can even... <laughs> Please don't make that a real term. I can even try to pick something that I thought was funny. <laughs> so I just picked Tardon. Uh -huh. Well, I can neither confirm nor deny. But <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. So for the purposes <laughs> of this out. podcast, I'm neither confirming nor denying that Tardon is correct, but I'm going to use it. So yeah, the doctor can go back to Tardon. Tardon. Right, and he can have a very nice day on Tardon. Very good. But it would also be really sad because he's having this day on Tardon, chatting to his <laughs> um, Tardonite friends. Okay. Uh, very and being good. Like, well, they're all gonna die. Yeah, Once. but then, uh, yeah, I guess. Mm. But then that doesn't. Uh, I'm not gonna get into it. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, based on what this episode has given us, uh, I think yes, I think you can. Okay. Mm. Cool. Um, okay, so uh, little tropes that go throughout the show that I'm just going to point out because I quite like these things. Um, is when the TARDIS door opens, there is a squeaking sound effect. And um, I think that very same squeaking sound effect is used throughout the entire show. 
I don't know if it goes all the way back to the classic shows, but it's <clears> one of those nice familiar things that will just be part of Doctor Who. Okay. So there so are. Do they make the same noise when the narrative creaks? <laughs> sure. You can, yeah, but you can play it to yourself. <laughs> Um, but you know when you you know when you watch a show and there are these there are the um, identifiable things that everyone knows about yeah that's the TARDIS, cool. the Sonic yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff but these little repeated things that um, kind of fans pick up on it's like a little kind of wave of familiarity yeah I guess that's, that's pretty cool yeah I do I do like it's that. just like a, it's like an in joke yeah exactly because obviously they've got the budget to record different squeaks do know? they. <laughs> Do they have the budget for that? Um, Can they take someone out of the squeak budget and put it into the CGI? There was some good, there was some good CGI, and there was some not so good, good CGI. In my That's opinion. true. Yeah, uh, I think maybe they knew what they could do well and did it, and then unfortunately overstretched themselves on one thing. There was one really egregious moment. Um, second time I've used that adjective. I'm gonna, I'm gonna retire egregious now. No more okay. egregious. Uh, there was one really notable moment of a bit of a VFX blunder. Um, which stood out for me um, when the little spider droid is coming out of the orb that's given to Rose. Yeah. The orb that sat next to Rose, they've put a shadow graphic on the spider, but not the orb itself. The orb looks like it's floating. Wow, fucking hell! But it, the only reason it came out to me is um, like you know, being a graphic designer, working in like a similar field. Yeah, because I never would have seen that. Yeah, but. Um, that's just one of those definite mistakes because it would take no extra effort to put the shadow in. That's this is a, this that. is really interesting though. Like, um, as someone who wants to be a writer and has a really high interest in narrative and yeah. the way that it functions, hmm. like I wouldn't have picked up on the fact that that had a shadow on it and it wouldn't because you're a graphic designer and that's what you do and so these are the things that stick out to you. Hmm. Maybe the fact that the story is fucked hmm. is consistently what fucks me off. Because sure. that's just the way that my brain works. Whereas, like the visual stuff, doesn't really bother me that much. See, the absence of a shadow on an orb, I think, is like a quantifiable fact, right? A solid object will cast a shadow. Unfortunately, story-wise, I think is debatable. Do you know what I mean? So, where you watch that episode, you're like, the the storytelling of this is fucked. Yeah. I watch the same episode and be like, I f- I thought that was good storytelling. Because, like, I, I'm not expecting a roast dinner. I'm expecting a packet of crisps. And I, I really enjoyed that packet of crisps. I, I still think you're expecting a roast dinner. Why shouldn't I expect a roast dinner? Uh, because, because last week it, you weren't presented with a roast dinner. No, but then why is everyone telling me... Uh, why is everyone that loves Doctor Who telling me that it's constantly roast dinners? Uh, we've covered this point. What, what am I going to say to that? I don't know. I don't know. I genuinely don't know. It starts you off with a packet of crisps. Right, okay. It becomes a roast dinner. Okay. When I was watching it for the first time, you thought it was nobody told me, stop that, <laughs> nobody told me that a roast dinner was coming. So, like, every week, come to it expecting just a fun packet of crisps, right? When the roast dinner turns up, that's for you to decide. May, yeah, I can't stop judging it on it not being a packet of crisps, Yeah, maybe? Yeah, yeah, which is why, yeah, that's why I was trying to kind of rejig your expectations okay I'll, I'll, I'll do my best to have my expectations rejigged yeah man I guarantee you you're not getting a roast dinner until maybe uh, season 2 okay yeah I can guess another thing that you wouldn't have liked about this and I think you will see it as a contrivance uh, the psychic paper oh I couldn't give a shit about that that didn't bug you no it's fine I guess this is just how my brain works 
I don't get it. The psychic paper, I feel like, falls in the same I mean, like, category. It, it absolutely does. As 100% the phone call. does, like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, 100% really, really does because it's just another catch-all answer to any situation that you might yeah. need to be in. Oh, look, I can get, I can use this one piece of paper that we're told is psychic mm. to get me out of any number of situations that I might find myself in. Not any number of situations. I think it's um, just to skip over the part of the episode you would need to spend on the Doctor and Rose infiltrating a situation that they have no right to be in. What do you think about the explanation as to why everyone speaks English? Yeah, it's just as bad. Yeah, I would lump that in with all the rest of it. Like, oh, I've been in the TARDIS, so you, you're fine now. You're set for the future. You can just understand everything and everyone can understand you because the TARDIS. The TARDIS, <sighs> the end. Big tick. I don't know what to say to that. But that's what it is. It's the same as the psychic... Do you not see what I mean by when I say it's the same as the psychic paper? I don't know. I've just seen other programs like Star Trek or such where they, like, travel across the galaxy and everyone is magically speaking English and you're just never really given any kind of reason as to why they speak English. If they hadn't have even brought it up, then it wouldn't have even been an issue. Like, if they would just carried on and everyone had been talking, then I guess I probably would have been complaining about the fact that they that they can understand each other. Yeah. That's just me. Because yeah. that's just me being yeah. a dick. By focusing on it, it makes it a thing, I guess. I guess it's the same thing as if someone was to make uh, a film that was set in, like, Viking ages and then, like, Viking... And it was clearly in that section of the world mm -hmm. being set or whatever. And they just had everyone speaking just flat, ordinary English, but never really broached the reason why. That, I kind of respect that, because it's them saying, we're never going to get around this. No, that scenario isn't the same, because say your um, Viking story, if they were to pick up an English person and just throw them in there, if they understood what all the Vikings were saying, you'd be like, what? That English person isn't Nordic? How are they understanding? No, no, but not an English character. Mm. I'm just saying they, like, they're all Viking characters, but they're because the actors are English. Yeah. Just everyone speaks in English and it's never really addressed. Okay. I don't know, I'm a bit crestfallen. Really? Why? I don't know. Crestfallen? Yeah. Egregiously crestfallen? Yeah. Why, what, what were you hoping would be the answer then? That I would be like, that's really cool? Yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. Now, in fairness, now that you've explained it to me, it is a lot better than I thought, than I gave it credit for. Uh huh. I think you're placating me. Really. I'm not. Because yeah. like, I didn't think about it in the way that you thought about it. Uh -huh. Like, I thought about it in like a general term, but yeah. you were like, well, because they're not all speaking Viking. It's not all one language. Yeah. They're all speaking all their different dialects. Yeah. And so there would need to be an explanation as for why they could communicate. Yeah. 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 So, there, yeah, you've explained it very well. <laughs> Um, okay, what did you think of uh, Cassandra? What did I think of her? Yeah. She's quite an unlikable character, isn't that the point? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the things in these first few episodes that I was most scared about you seeing, Cassandra was one of them. Uh, because she's just so, it's just so silly. Um, and I think it's such a clumsy way to be like, look, humans have a preoccupation with vanity and what's the final stage of this? Because obviously it's just she's just being a big flat sheet. Yeah, it's just like okay. being like, I want to be thin, I want to be thin, I want to be thin. And I was like, I, I, I get what you're doing there. This is silly. I don't think this is real social commentary. 
I think it's wow. kind of a. <laughs> I just think it's kind of a. You know, like Quote, humor... I don't think Doctor Who episode two is real social commentary. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, but it's like humor through absurdism. <laughs> okay. Um, it seems like they spend an awful lot of money on a giant head in a glass jar which never gets used because that didn't look like CGI to me that looked like they actually built it do you remember what that's called? Um, Tardan <laughs> uh, the face of Bo I mean like the creature effects throughout it I think everyone looked pretty good the tree woman the prosthesis on her looked real good yeah she looked really good uh-huh. the other ones maybe didn't do you think? Uh, the blue thing that was on the the Roomba. I hate that. Yeah, because it's really bad. It's a really, really bad monster making. I, I, and then I, the other ones are basically just like, they're just like shadows or whatever, like shit ring wraiths. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the uh, the tree ones were good. The shit bit. ring wraiths were called the adherents of the repeated meme. As in M-E-M-E? And As in memes? Well, exactly. Well, there weren't memes in... Um, it's just an idea. 2005, were there? I don't know. Does meme, it's, is that a word? It is now. Yeah, but do we call modern day memes a meme because the word meme means a repeated idea? Yeah, I presume so. See, it's the uh, harkening back to Doctor Who's original remit of being an educational program. Oh, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. what you can describe <laughs> it as. Educational. Um, yeah, you're right. They, um, it does look like they've spent a lot of money on the face of Bo. Um, whether or not that is uh, money that's been thrown away, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Well, there we go. What? Face of Bo comes back later in the roast dinner. Who says? Like, I know you're taking that from what I've said. But mm-hmm. I also stand by, I think that the face of Bo didn't look any better than some of the other things that were there. Also, um, I'll come back, that's mm. fine. I don't, I, I physically can't look at the blue alien. I think his head looks uh, way too phallic. And <laughs> you see it though? No, I just, I just see a monster, it's not offensive, I just see a monster that looks a load of shit. Like, I'm not saying like the design of it is bad. The design of his head looks exactly like... It wasn't the design of it was that was bad to me, because yeah. it was... The design I thought was supposed to make it look uncomfortable to look at. Uh-huh. What I meant is the execution looked shit. It just looked like someone inside a really shit rubber suit sure. on a Roomba. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what the. Um, can't remember what she called it. Like classic music. Oh, that can get fucked. <laughs> that can't have been cheap. There were two classic pieces of music that are presented at the end of the world by Cassandra played from what she is calling an iPod, but it's was actually a jukebox. jukebox. Yeah. yeah. So, um, do you remember the first piece of music? No. It was Tainted Love by... My goodness, who sings that? I know I should know, but yeah. I can't. I don't know who that is. It was by you know really. when you just can't think of it? Because I can only think of uh, Marilyn Manson re-recording it. I know who uh, Toxic's by, though. Oh, yeah, which was the second classic piece of music by... Britney Spears. There you go, very good. Um, I I like it. it. It was one of those again. It's just dumb because um, it's introduced as if it's going to be like this, you know, something somber for the end of the world, and it's. Oh, I thought you meant. I was going to say it was like, just. Oh, it was a cheap is, giggle. Is toxic not weighty enough for you? Does not have. Does toxic not have enough gravitas for you? I don't think so. I think uh, Britney you know would what? tell you that it does. Do you know what? I as I was um, describing that, I actively veered away from the word gravitas because I use gravitas so often. Okay, but it's about the sun and the earth. Gravitas. Oh like, right. Okay. okay, I thought you meant toxic. And I was no, just no, going no. through the lyrics in my head. I was like, is he? No. no. Mm. Uh, I thought uh, it was a cheap laugh. It made me laugh. That's, that's funny. Um, 
I think it's interesting uh, mirror to human nature that uh, we're shown the plumber character and how she is subservient to Rose, mirroring how like olden times maids and such couldn't speak to people without being addressed first and such. Oh, well, so like um, galactic society has come full circle. Yeah, or that no matter how much human beings um, travel forward in technological advancements. Um, oh, are... they're traveling backwards in terms of social graces. Uh-huh. Wow. Right. I really haven't picked apart Doctor Who enough to see all these hidden gems. Uh, I don't think they're hidden. I think they're right there to <laughs> hit, hit you in the face. Yeah, then, yeah. I I stand corrected uh-huh. by that giant ruby that's repeatedly <laughs> hitting me across the face. Um, we uh, this episode um, singles out uh, Rose's musical theme uh, when she's talking to her mum and when they're talking at the end. Oh my um, god! Could you pick it out no. the lineup? Did you hear it at all? No, not at all. No, no. Much like uh, composers like John Williams and uh, Hans Zimmer, the use of the light motif is. Musical cue specifically for a character. Um, Rose has one. Uh, I think I notice it because I know it's hers. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe if we make it to the end of the show, you'll be able to pick apart and be like, oh, that's Rose's theme. Okay. The Doctor also has one, uh, but it's two episodes in. I, uh, Is it not in the credits? No. No. No, um, the Doctor Who theme is kept um, specifically for the title sequence. I don't think you ever hear it as incidental music, okay. which I think is good, right? It would suddenly draw attention to the music in the wrong way, in my opinion. Hello, it's Newman from the year 2020. We recorded this podcast in 2019. Uh, what I just said about the Doctor Who main theme was correct then, but is no longer accurate. I know, so don't come for me. Anyway, back to the show. Um, when Rose calls Jackie, um, she puts the phone down without saying bye. I hate that. It okay. happens in American TV a lot. Oh, I never would have picked up on that. Ever. Look out for it when you're watching programs, especially American ones. They will just end the conversation and put the phone down. If you did that in real life, I would call that person back and be like, sorry, did you get disconnected? But then is the not saying bye thing just a staple of the fact that you're wasting no, TV time no, for being like, not. I'm so okay, sorry. bye. No. no, no, no. No, you put the phone down. No, you. And no one is asking for a protracted goodbye, <laughs> but bye takes uh, no screen time, whereas infiltrating a military base would. Okay. Would you be able to say that the bit where Rose is trapped inside the room, mm. there was unnecessary amount of bullshit just to raise the tension stakes. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. The computer repeating on a loop as to sun filter descending, sun filter ascending. I, I thought that was too heavy handed. Yeah. Also, for me, that's peak Doctor Who bullshit. Mm. I thought I thought even the same situation handled differently could be just as tense. The sun filter coming down uh, and kind of scorching the top of the room as it comes down had me thinking, that's not how that would work. Surely the room would just heat up like crazy. It doesn't matter if it's just the top of the room uh, getting exposed to it. But then we are shown that the fans are still working, so actually the damage might just be like the actual light hitting the wall as opposed to the temperature rising because you know rose isn't sweating she's not 
getting hotter, the room just seems to be freaking out. It's weird All of that you, was a bit clumsy. Like, it's weird that you can acknowledge that from a technical standpoint, like a science fiction technical standpoint, as being a bit clumsy, mm. but then you give more leeway to some of the stuff which strikes me as being unforgivable. Mm. I give, what's unforgivable? The levers. All the lever bullshit. Sure. So, uh, but, you know, I, I didn't rage quit the episode because of the, um, the sun filter thing. Oh, okay. So, like, I can look at it and be like, oh, this is, like, one of those tropes. That's okay. This is just how they're telling the story. And the lever thing, again, just like in Rogue One, the lever being, like, 200 meters across. Say I was being held hostage in my family home and I'm in the bedroom. The breakers to the power are by the front door. I would need to go from my bedroom to the front door to hit those breakers okay like you said before like they have that in so many films yeah. like across the history of film like that happens so much just like oh we just need to hit this button or we just need to pull this switch or we just need to turn these dials or whatever yeah, yeah. but there's something about the way that road broke one that actually did it that really fucks me off i can't remember why okay uh favorite part of the episode because naturally the next question is going to be worst part of the episode where you can really let loose. But I want you to at least try a favourite part. A favourite part of the episode was the bit where she was standing there and he was like, oh, it's the end of the earth. And it was really downplayed and it was very subtle. Nice. Um, worst part of the episode. Worst part of the episode is um, external glass repaired. <laughs> That's fucking dog shit. Yeah. Get fucked, Doctor Who. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you that one. Yeah. I'll give you that one. Uh, next week um, do you think we're going in the future or in the past I genuinely don't know maybe because they've gone five million years or billion years into the future Mm -hmm. the natural thing would then be to go into the past somewhere Uh, I'm just going to throw this at the end of most episodes it's basically you throwing a dart uh, at a dartboard you can't see okay Uh, cool alright throwing Uh, a dart and trying to hit Tardon alright so goodbye from Nguyen goodbye from Joe bye 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 Follow us at Commence Hooing on Twitter or send an email to commencedoctorhooing at gmail.com to get in touch. Neither of those include a hyphen. Big thanks to Tom Newsom for all of his help. See you next week.